Welcome to Verifiably You, the podcast where I bring the world of self-sovereign identity into perspective. With our lives becoming increasingly digital, protecting that digital identity is more critical than ever. So let's dive into today's topic. A traditional identity structure relies on a one-way hierarchical system where you, the user, provide assurance to the other party that you are real, but they never provide that in return. Peer-to-peer communication is a critical aspect of what makes self-sovereign identity work. In this episode, I will explain what function peer-to-peer communication fulfills and the different technologies behind making it possible. Americans visit a lot of websites every day. How many, you ask? Well, I spent way too much time looking for this stat just to prove this simple point. If you do an internet search for the number of websites that Americans visit each day, Google spits out an answer. At least 130 web pages per day. Oh, perfect. Case closed. Wait, not so fast. First, this is web pages and not websites. Meaning that if you order Chipotle and you went from the home page to the order page to the checkout page, you visited three web pages, but only one website. And secondly, any stat is only as good as its source. So let's check the source. Surprisingly, there actually was one, but the link took me to the personal blog of Jordan Mitchell. While Mr. Mitchell did seem like he had some insider knowledge to back up his claim, This blog post was made back in October of 2007. Considering that Facebook had just launched publicly the year prior, Netflix had only just started its streaming service, and TikTok didn't even exist, I can only imagine that our internet activity has significantly increased since then. Okay, so I just spent the last two hours trying to prove that we all expose our personal information to potentially hundreds of websites every single day. It's not always bad, though. If you want to order some Chipotle and get it delivered, how could they do that if you never give them your payment information or an address for them to bring the food to? I want you to participate in a little thought experiment with me. When was the last time you verified a website's credentials before logging in or entering your credit card information? I will even throw in a 10 bonus points if you knew that websites had certificates to verify their authenticity in the first place. The internet, and therefore digital identity, has been built on a one-way hierarchy where the website authenticates you, but you just have to trust that the website is real. With the advent of peer-to-peer connecting layer that self-sovereign identity provides, we, the everyday consumer, gain assurance that the entity on the other end of the connection is exactly who we intended it to be. In the previous episode, I mentioned the usability, mechanical, and infrastructure layer, and I want to adjust the terms to align with the Trust Over IP Foundation. In the Trust Over IP technology stack, there are four layers. Those layers are the application's ecosystem, trust task protocols, peer-to-peer communication, and public utilities. Application ecosystems, or layer 4, is not something that I had mentioned previously, but covers many different credential exchanges. Healthcare is a great example of an ecosystem. There are many different types of doctors, and we would not want our information to only be compatible with a certain doctor. The trust task protocols, or layer 3, is what I described with the usability layer. 
Next, we have the peer-to-peer communication layer, or layer two, which is the main topic of this podcast, and I will get there right after I mention the final layer. Public utilities is the base layer, or layer one, which covers decentralized identifiers, verifiable credentials, and interoperability. From here, I am only going to refer to the peer-to-peer communication layer as layer two, as we will talk about peer-to-peer connections, and I don't want the layer and the interaction getting confusing. So, with that out of the way, what actually happens in layer two? Layer two is all about connections, communication, and interoperability. The two main tools that are used are wallets and agents. Wallets enable communication between parties, while also being the gateways to our DIDs and credentials. Wallets also allow you to maintain secure connection between parties until you or the other person wants to sever the connection, of course. An agent, on the other hand, allows for business logic to be implemented. It is also responsible for following the trust spanning methodology in DIDCOM. Let's cover trust spanning in DIDCOM before taking a closer look into wallets and agents. Thinking back to our layers, layer two can also be called the trust spanning layer. The goal here is to have the four layers form an hourglass shape, where in the ecosystems layer, it's very broad. And likewise, layer one is also very broad to support those ecosystems needs. However, layer two is designed to be narrow, minimizing connection variation between different ecosystems and protocols. This allows for maximum interoperability. I think it's a lot easier to remember times when we've had bad experiences with something because, for whatever reason, our brain remembers those more than the good times. When thinking of bad examples of interoperability, you don't have to look very far. Android versus Apple messaging, until just recent, was a mess. While the basic messages would flow quite seamlessly, adding an emoji to the message would result in all kinds of issues. Typically, if someone added an emoji to that message, like a thumbs up or a heart, it would send the entire message back to you, in quotes, with the word liked or loved at the beginning. While all the information was communicated, it was a poor user experience. This is better than the alternative of the information not being delivered at all, though. So, in the case of peer-to-peer communication... Restricting variability will allow everyone who is developing an ecosystem to be able to connect with another ecosystem. It is impossible to know what an ecosystem will need in the future. That was trust spanning, so let's look at DIDCOM, the fundamental piece that connects everyone together. As you might have guessed, DIDCOM stands for DID Communication. If the goal of DIDCOM is to allow us to share messages, decentralized identifiers, verifiable credentials, and more, then DIDCOM better be able to handle all of that. The good news is that it can. DIDCOM has protocols for messaging, issuing credentials, presenting proof, routing, and more. Today, most secure messaging services rely on key registries, identity providers, certificate authorities, browser or app vendors, or similar centralizations. These systems increase the convenience for the user by allowing them to sign up and the business handles the rest. But wait, when was the last time you sent a quick text to your bank or you shared a meme with your doctor? I, for one, have done neither. When we need secure communication, 
we still have to call in and talk to a person, sharing personal information to prove our own identity. Another service that a centralized communication company provides is non-instant messaging. Think about it like this. When you board an airplane, you put your phone into airplane mode for your flight to your vacation. Or, a more likely occurrence is, your phone battery dies and it takes several minutes or hours to turn it back on. During that time, your phone is not connected to the internet, and therefore any messages that somebody sent to you will not be sent to you. They will get hung up in a server somewhere, waiting for your phone to reconnect. A server ran by that communications company stores undelivered messages and waits until your phone connects back to it to deliver those messages. Without that centralized server, there would be no way for your iMessage, Signal, or WhatsApp messages to be delivered. Didcom solves this by adding a tool called a mediator coordinator into an agent, which will store up messages until they can be delivered to your wallet. This sounds like a perfect segue into wallets and agents. The wallet is your gateway into SSI. The wallet is your identity vault. The wallet is your SSI user experience. While the exact makeup of a digital wallet is not fully defined, and like any emerging technology, it will be subject to change over the next few years, there is general agreement on a couple of things. Wallets will consist of software, occasionally on dedicated hardware, that allows you to generate and manage cryptographic keys, secrets, and other private data in the form of verifiable credentials. I could see a world where I have several wallets. I would have a personal wallet with credentials for my passport, social security number, and driver's license with a high level of security. A professional wallet with my resume, business card, and work history with a medium level of security. And an everyday wallet where I have usernames and passwords, my coffee shop and REI, rewards credentials where I prioritize speed and ease of use over security. An interesting part about this multi-wallet approach is that I can have those varying levels of security and usability. Remember, adding additional layers of protection and security almost always leads to a slower and worse user experience. However, taking an extra 30 seconds to access your passport, which you do maybe once a year, is completely worth it. On the other hand, taking 30 seconds to access your rewards points when standing in line to check out is a terrible experience that will lead to a lot of angry customers. Okay, so you are ready to receive your first verifiable credential. But wait, how did it actually get sent to you from the issuer? The answer? An agent. No, not like a secret agent. More like a personal assistant on the back end who makes all the magic happen. All forms of wonderful automations and business logic are triggered by an agent. An agent also implements our Layer 2 technologies like DIDCOM, W3C standards, and the ARIES protocol. Each network will likely have their own agents built with features tailored to the applications and ecosystems that they are trying to support. For example, the Atala Prism network, which offers logic to connect to the Cardano blockchain, has the Prism Agent and Prism Agent Enterprise, while the Sovereign network has its own Edge Agent. As the self-sovereign identity continues to grow, 
I suspect we will see more agents built with direct integrations to other blockchains. Peer-to-peer communication is the secret sauce that enables self-sovereign identity to work. Yes, we could store credentials on a blockchain and verify them, but ultimately we would have to resort to a third-party system to handle all the communications and coordination. DIDCOM, in combination with agents, allow for the individual to access any other individual without the need for a centralized service. Thank you for listening to this episode of Verifiably You. With our lives becoming increasingly digital, protecting that digital identity is more critical than ever. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll enjoy the others, so check out our catalog of content and subscribe for future episodes.